weekend. So if you have your Bibles, your electronic devices, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And we're going to look at this subject that that James is talking about. We're going to look at this subject of facing the future with confidence. Uh, Facing the future with confidence is what we're going to look at this week. And we're going to look at this issue of how to face the future with confidence because when you begin looking at any statistics that are out there, because of the things that are going on in our nation, the things that are going on in our world, that it seems like Americans are having more and more anxiety about the future, Uh, whether it's the economy, whether it's terrorism, whether it's war, uh, whether it's relationships, whether it's jobs, whether it's whatever, that they're having more and more anxiety about the future. And so the Bible has a lot to say about this issue of how to face the future with, with confidence. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite comic strips, uh, Born Loser, um, he, I know from the great theologian, he asked a question here recently. I cut it out and saved it. And he asked the question when he's looking. He says, you know, how do you, how do you look to the future? And then the response was this, uh, does every, every cloud have a silver lining or does every silver lining have a cloud? And really and truly, the way you and I look to the future affects our life. And there's some people that are able to look at life and see that, that every cloud has, has a silver lining and there's something positive in that. But there, there, there's another group of people that it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter about, about the cloud because they believe that every civil light, silver lining has a, has a cloud. And so today I want to talk to you about this issue of just being able to face your future with confidence. And so I, I just want you to, to let you know a process that I go through. I started this in 2011. Is that the, the Christmas break from, from Christmas to New Year's is what we call a Christmas break. Um, I, I go through all of my life journals. I go through all of my journals. And I begin looking at scriptures that I've highlighted through the years, some things that I've written, some things that I've talked about, uh, some of those things. And I begin looking to the future in 2016. And I begin asking God just for, just for a word, uh, just for a verse that would kind of guide me for the, for the new year. And it seems to me that with, by doing that, I've always been able to face the future with confidence or go into a year with confidence knowing that, you know what, God has a word for me. And God has direction for me. And that there's a word for me that is in his, in, in his word. And so James chapter 4, verse 13 through 17, here, here's what the scripture says. He says, come now, you, say, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. So James begins talking about this issue about facing your future with confidence. He begins talking about this issue of how to plan. And so he goes on and he says, he says, and yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you, you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes instead. In other words, what James begins saying, there's a right way and a wrong way to look at the future. And he said, instead, or, or how about this? You ought to say, in other words, you ought to say as a believer, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and we will do this or that as it is. You boast in your arrogance. And all such boasting, what James says, all such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Now listen, I, I just real quickly want to just give you three common mistakes to avoid when you're looking to the future. And in these common mistakes to avoid, James also gives the solution to the common mistakes. And the first one is this. The first common mistake is planning without God. In other words, planning your future, planning your, your life, and planning without God. James chapter 4, verse 13 again says, Come now, you who say... 
today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. And so you may look at this and you, say, may, you may say, well, what is wrong with this? I mean, people make plans every day. I mean, when you, when you look at this, you can look at verse 13 and you can see that really and truly it's a very detailed business plan. Uh, the when is today or tomorrow. The where is to this city or that city. How long? He said the duration is, is, is about a year. And then the what, what are we going to do? We're, we're going to continue our business. We're going we're to carry on our business. And the, the why or the bottom line is this, to make a profit, to, to make money. And so you can look at that and say, well, wait a minute, what is wrong with that? Because when you look at Scripture, you realize that the Bible doesn't, the Bible doesn't condemn making money. The Bible doesn't condemn planning. So what is wrong? I mean, why is, why is James saying that something is wrong with this? And instead, you ought to say this. And the reason is this. What James is saying is there's not a single mention of God in this entire business plan. In other words, this person made, made plans into the next year for us, 2016, without any mention of God. In other words, this person, what James is talking about, he knew what he wanted and how to get there, and he did not check with God first. Luke says it this way. Luke chapter 14, verse 28 says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it? In other words, it seems like he's talking, he's talking about planning again. Proverbs says this, that if I don't plan, that, that I'm a fool. And it says that it's wise to make a plan. So what James is saying, he's not talking about this issue of planning. He's not saying that planning is bad. What he is saying is this. He's saying that planning without God, without God in mind, is bad. In other words, to get dreams and have goals, and, and that's fine and good as long as you add God to the equation, as long as you plan God in there, as long as you pray about it. In other words, there's nothing wrong with what he did. It's really what he forgot. And he forgot God in his life. In other words, this individual that James is talking about, he's talking about a, a person with self-sufficiency. In other words, his attitude was very self-sufficient. And so the fact is, James, this is so important. James was talking to believers. The context is so important. He's talking to believers here. And what James is basically saying is, you know what? You can be a believer and forget God in your daily life. It's possible what James is saying. This is his warning. This is his concern. That it's possible as a believer that you can become so self-confident, so self-sufficient, that you no longer put God into the equation. In other words, as a believer, you can come to the place in your life to where you just kind of compartmentalize God. And you don't add God in your career. You don't add God in your profession. You don't add God in your, your, your daily life because you compartmentalized out your life. Listen, I know a lot of people who love the Lord with all their heart, but when it comes to planning of their business or career or profession or life or their school or their education, many times they don't include God. It, see, I, I think it's really sad to meet an individual that says, I, I don't believe in God. And I don't believe that he ex exists. But you know what I think is even sadder? Is that when you met, meet that individual that says, I, I believe in God and I believe he exists, but then that individual acts like or lives like he doesn't exist. In other words, doesn't make any plans in, involving the Lord and depends on themselves to where they say that I, I believe in God. But he just doesn't really have a say. He doesn't really have a say in my daily life. He really doesn't have a say in my marriage. He doesn't really have a say in the way in which I handle relationships. He doesn't really have a, a, a word for me in my business or in my career. And so what James is really saying is this. He's saying, 
He said, don't plan without God. And what he's saying is this, the solution, in fact, is the only solution as a believer, is to make your plans with God in mind. That's why in verse 15, James says, chapter 4, he says, instead, or as a believer, it would be better for you to say, if the, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. I mean, you know, I think it's interesting. He added the word if. To me, I think of like Murphy's Law, right? I mean, have you ever planned well and then things didn't, didn't go the way that you, that you planned? I mean, I, mean, I mean, sometimes in life, it seems like if the things can go wrong, they, they will. And sometimes it seems like in life that, that life, is, life is one big if. Fact is, if is in the middle of the word life. Life is iffy. I know that's deep. That probably went over your heads. <laughs> but life is unpredictable, right? Fact is, James is going to talk about this later. And sometimes there's, there's like Murphy's Law working in this. I'll never forget, I've done a lot of embarrassing things here at Fellowship the Rockies, and, and probably one of, my, one of my first embarrassing things that I did was our first year when we planted the church. It was, 19, it was 1995. We were meeting at Ron Colley Middle School at the time, and so we decided we had, we had some people that needed to get baptized. It was a summer, and, so, and, and we weren't very big at that time, and so we thought, you know what would be fun? Uh, let's do an outdoor, outdoor baptisms. And so we, we did, a, we did a, a church picnic, uh, an old-fashioned. I mean, it was old school. We did a potluck, and we said after church, everybody, let's meet out at the, the, the reservoir at Big Lizard Pavilion. And so, so you know what? We'll sacrifice some chickens, you know, eat some fried chicken, and, and, uh, and then we'll baptize some po- folks. And then, you know what? And then let's just make it fun. And so everybody that has a watercraft, boats, or anything like that that would like to bring those, bring those, and we'll just make it a party, and we'll make it a celebration. And so we, we had a boat in Texas, and we still had a boat at that time. Uh, but boating was much different in Texas than it is in Colorado. And so, uh, so uh, the fact is that it's the first time I'd ever had our boat out on the lake in, in Colorado. So we finished the service. Uh, we went. Uh, we, we launched the boat, and we drove around. And so, you know, we're in our boat. And so in Texas, in Texas the shores go gradual. And this is real important to the st- story. The shore goes gradual, like you can walk for a long time in a Texas lake and not go over your head, but not Colorado, I learned. And so, the fact is, there's like no shore. And, uh, and so, we were in our boat, we were with our family, I had Karen and two girls, and we're pulling around, and there's like all these people on the shore, and people are pulling up, and they're, hey, there's Pastor Charlie and his family, you know, we're pulling up. And so, now in Texas you can like jump off the front of the, of the boat with the rope in your hand about six to eight feet off the shore and then pull your boat in. That's how we did things in Texas, not in Colorado. So everybody's like watching. And so I jump off with a rope in my hand and I totally disappeared. I never touched bottom. I never, in front of the whole church, I never touched bottom. Fact is... <laughs> Fact is, the only thing that's floating on the surface is my hat. And, and so I heard one of my daughters, I don't remember which one it was, it was Brittany or Amanda, but one of them, I could hear them underwater, you know, and they, they're screaming, Daddy's dead! Daddy's dead! And so my whole family's going crackers in front of the whole church. And I'm like, Lord, just kill me now. I don't even, you know, 
I don't even want to come up. I don't even want to take all the teasing. I don't want to hear about it. I just want to float off to eternity. And so, so I, I came up. And it was, you know, it was a rough day and the waves are beating us and I'm hanging over the side and, and I can't even touch. And the church is like, I mean, they're in shock. Nobody's even moving. They're just watching. <laughs> and so in the panic, I told Karen, you know, to like throw over the anchor. And then, you know, that didn't, that didn't even work. And so finally some people swam out and rescued us and, and pulled us in. But, you know, life's unpredictable, right? And sometimes, sometimes, listen, sometimes we can make the best plans possible. Listen, but what, what James is saying is so boastful, it's so arrogant of us. We don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, we don't even know what's going to happen tonight, right, if we're just honest. If we're just honest. We don't even know what's going to happen tonight, much less tomorrow, much less next year. I mean, because of some things that are going on, we can make some educated guesses. But what James is saying is, is, you know what? It's just presumptuous for any of us to plan our life without God, for any of us to compartmentalize our life and plan and act like God doesn't exist or we don't need him. In other words, you know what? If we're not careful as Christians, you know what James is saying? You can become like practicing atheists or practicing agnostics to where you may say you believe in God, but you just kind of live your life like he really doesn't exist. In other words, what James is saying, you know, the solution, try to plan your life as if God exists. In other words, maybe, maybe if you say, you know what, if God, whatever God's will, if God wills, man, if God wills, you know, in other words, where your, your attitude becomes this attitude, you know what, I'm going to do the very best I can to plan. God's going to affect us. That's in Proverbs. Uh, we, we, we make our plans. God is the one that directs our steps. And towards, you know, we're going to do the very best we can to plan. But it's God who directs our steps. Here's an interesting thing. When, when you begin to study church history, Christians for thousands upon, no, I'm sorry, hundreds of years, like the first, first 400 years of church uh, history, Christians at the end of every letter uh, that they wrote had the initials uh, DV. And that was, that, was, that was Latin. Latin for something. Latin. <laughs> See, if you're like me, I don't even know what's going to happen in the next minute. <laughs> DV was Latin for if it is the Lord's will. That's what it meant. And so they wrote and they signed every, le every letter they wrote, and it was just a reminder to them that guess what? Their life is in God's hands and that they're going to make plans, but God is the one that directs their, their steps. And so when you begin to look at God's will for us, there's really only three responses. I mean, I mean we, we, can make, we can make reference to God's will, and we can talk like God's will exists, and we can make some references to it. We can kind of acknowledge it, or we can be kind of indifferent to God's will, to where we really don't accept his will in our life, and we want to just do, do life our own ways. Or what James says, the ideal thing for the Christian would be, is that we would, we would make it a priority. In other words, we would get preference to God's will. I'm, I'm telling you, in 2011, when I started doing this thing to where I'd take all of my life journaling, I'd take all of my stuff, and I would just, I would just read through it. It's amazing when you start reading through the scriptures that God has given you or the scriptures that have sustained you over the year or, this, or, or, or the scriptures that have spoken into your life. And all of a sudden, it's easy to start noticing a common thread 
or some of the things that you were dealing with or some of the things that you were going through. And then to take that and then to look at the next year and say, God, what is, what is a word that you would have for me? I mean, what, what is a word, a scripture that you'd have for me that would like direct my ministry and direct my, my life? Proverbs 16, 9 says, the heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord is the one. The Lord is the one that establishes his steps. The Lord is the one that makes his steps firm. The Lord is the one that gives his steps uh, a foundation. I mean, I mean, that's what we're doing right now as a church, right? I mean, right now as a church and relocating into the, the, the new land and the new facility. I mean, we just had a successful 2015, and, and man, God, is, God was just so gracious to us. And I sat at the event center and just looked around at the thousands of people and then just could hear the voices just worshiping him. And then you look at the sea of candles that is just a reminder to us that light displaces darkness, that darkness never displaces the light, and that he is light, and that we are many, and that we are stronger than maybe we even think we are, and that right now as a church, we've gone through 2015, and now we're walk, walking through a process with the elders and the leaders to begin looking in the coming days of like phasing the project and looking at, at, at how we could do this in bite-sized pieces and we're praying through that and all of those other things. In other words, what, what James is saying is this, we just got to get out, even as believers, we got to get out of this. God, just bless me at what I'm doing. God, I'm not going to check in with you. I'm not going to seek direction. God, here, here's your job. Whatever I decide to do, you just bless it. You just bless it, and you make it right, and if you don't, I'm going to be angry. In other words, this, what, what would happen is we as believers, if we came to the place and say, God, I, I'm going to seek you, and I'm going to listen to you, and I'm going to ask you to, to, to give me a word or direct my steps. Here's another common mistake what James says that, that people make about his will is this, is about presuming about tomorrow. I mean, I mean this issue of just presumption or just presuming about tomorrow in other words, that, that we, we can't presume or we can't assume that any of us are going to live forever and that we have the rest of our life. That's why Psalm says, the writer of Psalms makes a statement. He says this, Lord, help me. Help me to number my days. In other words, you know what he's asking? Lord, help me to live with urgency. I don't know how long I have. But help me to live with intention and help me to live with urgency. James says this in verse 14. You do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? I mean, that's a thought-provoking question. What is your life? For you are a mist. I would prefer to be referred to something other than a mist. Right? I mean, you're, you're a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes and then jump down to verse 16 as it is. You boast in your arrogance, but you're a mist, in other words, what James is saying. All such boasting is evil. And so there's a couple of reasons what James says in these verses, the reasons that we don't presume about tomorrow, the reason that we live life with urgency because none of us know how long we have. In other words, this, James says, you live like this because life is unpredictable. In other words, what he says, he just makes the statement after if. You, you do not know. I mean, you don't, all we can do is guess. All we can do is make an educated guess, but life is unpredictable. I mean, things could change in life. The economy could turn down. Friends could leave you. Friends could bet betray you. You go through hurt. You go through pain. Not, none of us, not one of us knows what's going to happen next. 
And what, one day it can be great, and the next day, listen, the next day life can be in the pits. Listen, that's why that word, that verse is so important to you. Your calling in life should govern you, not circumstances. The call that is on your life, what God has spoken into your life, that's what should govern you. That's what should lead you, not circumstances. Listen, if circumstances drive you, you're going to live a life of roller coaster emotions. See, it shouldn't. Listen, life is unpredictable. And life seems like it's getting even more unpredictable every day. And that shouldn't frighten any one of us. You know what that should do? That should make us press in even more to God. That should make us draw even closer to him. So, so James says, well, life is not unpredictable. He says, life is bre- uh, brief. He says, you know what? You're, you're a mist. In the, in fact, is the Greek word for mist is atmos. Atmos is where we get our word atmosphere. It, 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 means you're, it means you're like a fog. You roll in. In the morning, we had a lot of fog in, 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 in South Texas, not so much fog here. But you roll in in the morning, you roll out in, by noon, you're just a mist, you're brief, you're just there one moment, gone the next. I'll never forget a really interesting book that I, I read. It was called, um, it was called the, Day, the Day John Died. It was a story of John F. K. Jr., uh, the, the events leading up to his death, and then the, the, his death in the, in the plane crash. And, uh, and um, an individual, I can't even remember the author's name, but wrote a book in uh, The Day John Died. Here's what was so fascinating about that book. Um, John, F., John F. K. Jr.'s mother, Jackie Kennedy Onassis, months before his death had a, had a vivid dream. And she had a dream that her son was going to die in a plane crash. She just didn't know when. And so she went to her son and she said, you know, would you please quit flying? I had a vivid dream you're going to die in a plane crash. But I just don't know when. Because life is unpredictable. Life is brief. None of us, none of us know. And when you start, you start going through the scriptures, you start grabbing words, adjectives that just, just describe your life. That it's a, a leaf, a grass, a shadow, a cloud, a puff of smoke, a, a vapor. I mean, we're, we're at Christmas and we're watching our grandkids play. And I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about life is brief. And I mean, it's like from, from, from Hot Wheels to wheelchairs. Pretty quickly. Life is brief. And what he's saying, don't presume that you have the rest of your life. You don't know how long you have. Isaiah 56, 12 says this, says, Come, they say, let me, give, let me get wine. Let us fill ourselves with strong drink. And tomorrow will be like this day, great beyond measure. You ever known anyone that lived their life like that and had that kind of attitude that life is great, it's always going to be great, we're going to live forever, so let's party. Live it up and let's have fun because we're, we're just going to live forever. And James says, you know what, that's just a dumb attitude because none of us can presume how long we have. Proverbs 27.1 says, do not boast about tomorrow. For you do not know what, what a day may bring. And how true that is. A day can start off like any other day. And it just seems to be a, a normal day. 
And it just starts off like any other day. And then with a conversation, a letter, an email, phone call, text message, everything can change. What James is saying, a, a statement of a goal can be faith or it can be a statement of, of arrogance. And the difference is, is how you plan. And so the solution, what Scripture says, learn to, learn to plan with God and then live, live one day at a time. Matthew 6.34 out, out of the Living Bible, and I, I very seldom ever read out of the Living Bible. The Living Bible uh, was one of, the, one of the first Bibles I ever had. I, I, I didn't read it. Uh, when I was a kid, I, I had an aunt that was, was a believer, and she was concerned about me, and, and I didn't go to church, any of that, and so she, she gave me a Living Bible. And then in my 20s, when I came to Christ, that was the only Bible I had. And that was the Bible that, that I read the early days of, of my Christianity. And so in the Living Bible in Matthew chapter 6, verse 34, says, so do, so do not be anxious about tomorrow. God will take care of your tomorrow too. Live one day. In other words, live one day at a time. In other words, in other words says, God says plan about the future and, and trust God. But that at the, end, at the end of the day, just live one day at a time. Because I don't know about you, but the future can be overwhelming. But thankful for us, God breaks it up in small 24-hour increments. Almost some bite-sized pieces. In other words, plan your life and plan your life with God. But learn to live one day at a time. Because I've learned this, life is what happens to us while we're planning for something else. Listen, whether you realize it or not, I've just watched this so many times in my life. Today is the good old days you're going to talk about 15 years from now. So enjoy it. Man, don't make the mistake what James said with, with planning without God. Psalms 35, 15 says, Lord, man, my days, my days, are, my days are in your hands. In other words, my, my trust and my confidence is in you. The last mistake for us to, uh, to avoid is this. Avoid putting off doing something good. Avoid putting off something good. Uh, James 4.17 says this, so, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. James is talking about this issue of procrastination. James is talking about this issue of someone always saying that I, I'm intending to do it. I'm intending to change. I'm intending to do some things in my life. Man, we, we've, all, we've all met someone, and maybe, maybe it's a phrase used more in Texas than uses here, but we, we all have probably met someone that is aiming to do something. And my question is, when are you going to pull, pull the trigger? When are you, you going to just do it? And so, listen, just because what James says, just because an individual knows the right thing to do doesn't mean they're going to do it. Isn't that frustrating in life? That, me included. That we can know the right thing to do, but just because, even as a believer, just because you know the right thing to do doesn't mean you're going to do it. And so James begins talking about this issue of sin, and so many times in the church we define sin as a bunch of evil activities, whether it's murder or cheating or lying or stealing or, or, or any of those other things, slander, gossip, whatever it is. But James said, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, there's, there's also a, a, a sin of omission, 
of sin of knowing what to do, but then just deciding not to do it for whatever reason. James 4.17 says, So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is, it is sin. See, Christianity is more than just avoiding evil. It's more than just avoiding all these big sins that we kind of put up in church. In other words, what James says is issue of procrastination is a subtle trap. It, it, it's living in the land. Someday, someday I will. Someday I'm, you know what, someday I'm going to get serious about God. Someday I'm going to start life journaling. I'm going to start reading my Bible. I'm going to start trying to figure this whole thing out. You know what, someday, someday I'm going to get involved in ministry. Like when life slows down. When I become a better person, you know, when, when I get things worked out, someday I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to invite. You know what James says? James says procrastination, that's like a subtle trap. And James says, in fact, is the solution is just do it now. Just Proverbs 3, 27 and 28 says, Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to do it. Do not say to your neighbor, Go and come again. Tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. I mean, the, the writer of Proverbs and James is saying, it, man, if you, have, if you have the ability to take care of it now, just do it now. I mean, three things that you and I can do with our, li- our, our life, and that is we can either spend it, we can waste it, or we can invest it. We, we can spend it, and our whole life is about, is about accolades and awards and, 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 and trying to acquire fame and, and things and pleasure and all those other things. Or, or, or we actually... We have the ability just to waste our life. I mean, you just go home and watch TV commercials, and they'll help you, and they'll show you how to, how to just waste your life and waste your money. Or you can choose to in, invest your life. And the best use of your life, what James says, is to come to the place to where you, you invest it. James, Jim Elliott, who's a missionary, one of the early missionaries, and this is just a quote, he said this. He said, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep for that which he cannot lose. And what's going to last forever? And the Word of God and people. And what James is saying, won't you invest your life in, in that? Won't you invest your life in some things that is going to last forever? And that's his word and people and relationships to people. I'll never forget, there's a, many years back, there's a, a TV commercial for the Peace Corps. And the slogan was, it doesn't matter how long you live if you're not doing anything with your life. It just doesn't matter. See, a lot of times, we as humans, we worry about duration, how long we're going to live. You know what God worries about? God doesn't worry about duration. You know what he worries about? He worries about donation. Now, what are you going to do with your life? What are you going to do with the life that he has given you? Your time and your talent and your treasures. Are you going to make your life count? Are you just always going to be that person that says, one day, one day when life slows down. You know, if you've lived any length of time, life never will slow down. Life's never going to get easy. Next week, next month, next year, 
Next week, I'm going to witness to that friend. Next month, I'm going to invite that person to church. You know what? Maybe, maybe next year I'm going to read my script, read the scriptures. Maybe I'm a life journal. Maybe I'm going to, maybe I'm going to attend that journey class in six or seven months, or serve in a ministry or whatever. And what James is talking about, James is talking about this issue. Man, learn to invest your life in whatever he is calling you to do. Do it now. Because not one of us, and not one of us, know if we have tomorrow. I think that's the thing that just drives me in ministry. It's just, I feel the urgency. Because none of us, none of us know how long we have or the people around us. And God has placed us here for such a time as this. And he's called us to make the most of it and invest it. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? With your heads bowed and eyes closed, let me just ask you, what is God saying to you? What is God saying to you as a result of this message? What is he saying to you as a result of, of his word? Maybe you've never come to the place to where you've like accepted him or, or started a relationship with him. And maybe tonight would be the night. And maybe you've been putting that off. And maybe you've been trying to wait and say, you know what, once I straighten my life up and once I clean my life up, then I'll accept him. But let, let me tell you something. You cannot straighten your life up without him. You cannot change your life without him. And so maybe for you it would be, you know what, I, I'm just going to follow him. And I'm just going to ask him to come into my life and to forgive me of my sins and just tell him to the very best of my ability, I, I just want a relationship with him. And I want it to change my life and my activities. And maybe for you it's the issue of following him in believer's baptism. That you've known for quite some time that he's leading you. Just to follow him, the example that he set, just in believer's baptism. I don't know what God's saying to you, but I know this. Every one of us has a next step. And what is your next step? See, that's what I've been asking him for the last week. God, for 2016, what is my next step? Because every one of us, it doesn't matter if you've just newly been a Christian or you've been a Christian 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, every one of us has a next step. That's why they call it the Christian walk. And so what is your next step? And whatever that is, would you just be willing just to take it and just to trust him? Maybe you're here this evening and you say, you know what, I, I just... I just need someone to pray for me. That I'm going through a, a season of my life. I'm carrying a burden. I need prayer for myself. I need prayer for someone else. And you know what? I, I just need someone to pray for me. We want to pray for you. In fact, is we do this every after every one of our services. We've been doing this for years. And we have story after story what God has done in the front of this place when people just humbled themselves and prayed and asked for prayer. Will you allow us to add our faith to your faith? Will you allow us just to speak into your life and to encourage you and comfort you and support you? So if you need prayer, you don't have to be a member of Fellowship of the Rockies. This isn't about membership. This is, this is just about ministry. So if you need prayer in your life, in just a second, I'm going to pray. 
And then after I pray, we're going to stand together. And when we stand, if you need prayer in any area of your life, as you stand up, would you step out, begin making your way to the aisles, and, and you make your way to the front. You, you don't have to walk along. People will be walking with you. In fact, is people will be down here to greet you when you get down here. This is a safe place. But if you need prayer in any area of your life, after I pray, we stand, you come. Father, we thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you for your grace. And Father, we thank you for just for the power of your name. And so, Father, we just ask that, that as we start 2016, Father, that we would make our plans with you in mind. And that we would ask you that as we make those plans, that you would establish our steps, that you would make them firm. Father, I pray for those that, that have a burden or a prayer request. Father, I just ask that you just help them to take that step and to receive prayer, to receive encouragement. Father, we love you, and we thank you for loving us. For we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.